So this morning, being aware, I always like to advise people to be aware when they do informal meditation practice to be aware of the state of mind you're in, what kind of mental state, just to be the knower, not the critic, not about right or wrong, good or bad, but it's like this. Because you know, you know, what kind of mood, emotion, mental state you're experiencing at this time. And then to, to be just the knowing of it rather than the seeing it in personal terms, because we tend to identify strongly the ego is strong identified with our feelings, with our moods, good moods, bad moods, whatever the mood may be, they change and we tend to see them in very much as kind of personal, make them very personal, make judgments, value judgments about them, about ourselves according to the mood where we are experiencing at the present moment. So this awareness is to be aware, we're not to judge, it's not to, to criticize or comment or add anything to it, but be the knowing, that knowing awareness, this wisdom awareness, whatever mood, no matter how much it might be, you know, in terms of quality or strength, is the way it is. So, and this is a very skillful way to to break down the illusions that you create about yourself. Because in terms of Dhamma, you're not an emotion, you know, you're not the thought you're thinking, you're not the the mood, the emotion that you're experiencing. So, in terms of Dhamma, we say they are what they are, so you're not dismissing them, ignoring them, suppressing them, but you're aware, you know, that what you're feeling at this moment is like this. It is the way it is, whether it's pleasant, painful, interesting, boring, inspired, whatever quality you may observe, the observer, the knower, the knowing, is not, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it doesn't become the mood. So your refuge is in awareness rather than taking refuge in your ideals, your ideas, the sense of a separate self, a mortal person that, you know, is, has a history, has a future. Now the consciousness is, you know, the one thing you can, quality you can give it is knowing. So that's why 
if I should ask you, are you conscious, you, there's a knowing that you're conscious, it's immediate. You don't have to look for consciousness and, uh, you know, see it as something in some, obje- in a, some, ob- some objective way. It's the pure reality of, of instantaneous knowing. And you say, yes. Or I say, are you conscious? Every one of you will say, yes. And then what is consciousness? Is it personal? Is it inside my body? Is it inside my head? And in, in modern life, materialist societies, you know, we, we believe consciousness is inside the body. But when the Buddha, in Buddha Dhamma, you know, there's the six elements, the six datus that we reflect upon. Four of them are about form, about sankaras, earth, the solid element, fire, the heat element, water, the liquid element, air. Earth, fire, water, and air are what give form and shape, quality and color to conditions. And these are all sankharas, you know, so they, they change according to other conditions. According to the weather, according to the state of your health, whether it's day or night, whether it's your birthday or Christmas or holiday or workday. So consciousness is not made of earth, fire, water, and air. So it has no shape, no quality, no form. The other two datu or elements are space and consciousness. So these are immeasurable. They're called the immeasurables. Now without space and consciousness, there'd be, there'd be no sense, there'd be no manifestation of earth, fire, water, and air. Just like reflection on space, here and now, when we, you can perceive space, you can see it. I pointed out the important thing in this room, is it spacious so that all of us can sit in comfort in, in this meditation hall because of the space. And then we consider the space maybe in, contained inside the room, inside this hall. But the hall is in space, isn't it? The space is not limited by the, the walls of this hall at all. So this is a, a reflective way of, of of observing, noticing what is what is here and now that is absolutely necessary for our existence here is the space, the walls. The space was here long before this building was ever built. 
You take the building away, there's still space. The building is in space. So space has this sense of immeasurability. Where does space end? You know, you can't, you know, you can look up at the sky, it ends in the sky, we don't know. You know, the ability to see space, to perceive it, is limited, but it seems immeasurable. It has no beginning or end. But it allows the perspective on forms. So, you know, in the space we have Buddha Rupa, we have the monk sitting here, all of us seated, the walls of the hall, the floor, the ceiling, the lights. All these conditions come and go in the space. But the space doesn't come and go. And the quality of space is spaciousness. So this is, what I'm doing is reflecting on what is most obvious, what, you know, we're with all the time, wherever you are, whether you're at home or in your car or traveling in an airplane, you know, there's, there's space. Space is, is with us all the time. It's absolutely necessary. But generally, not perceived, not recognized, or given any importance. Until we make an intentional reflection upon it, then consciousness, you can't perceive consciousness. You can't see it. You can't hear it, smell it, taste it, touch it, think it. But you know, it's knowing, isn't it? You know this sense of immediate knowing. Am I conscious? Ask yourself, am I conscious? The only answer is yes. The knowing immediately. So this is getting to the here and now, the rea- the reality of of timelessness of Santitiko Dhamma, apparent here and now, Akalika Dhamma, timeless. It's immediate, you know, it's not something far away, remote. It's what we are, and ultimately, when we realize Dhamma for ourselves. You realize what you really are is the deathless consciousness, universal consciousness, not this mortal form, this body that you identify with or the the appearance, whether you're male or female, whether, you know, you're Asian or European. All these these conditions are dependent on earth, fire, water, air, space. But ultimately consciousness is the deathless Dhamma, Amatta Dhamma. So at first, you know, this is a total revolution in the way we've been conditioned to perceive ourselves in the world we live in.
know, we, we tend to create this divisive feeling of separateness, of individuality. I am just this, this physical body sitting here. I'm this limited form. I have name and gender, age, all these are, we, we cling to these, these conditions as ourself. So in the reflective, on the way things really are, on the way it is, this ability to reflect, Am I really this limited form? I used to do this a lot over the years as a meditator, as a monk. Am I really just this physical body? Is that all there is to tomato? And then the aging process, you know, we identify with the age, with the color of the skin, with the gender, whether it's male or female, we identify strongly with gender. And that, that is conditioned phenomena. We do that through conditioning, not through wisdom. So, you know, from the time we're born, we're programmed to, to, uh, you know, through our parents, through our families, through our culture, our ethnic background, our social identities, religious identities. These are all conditioned, kind of like programming a computer. So when they talk about robots becoming conscious, they can computerize robots to to think, to, you know, to to speak, they probably can do all these kind of things because these are con- condi- these are phenomenon, phenomena that that are conditioned into into a computer, just like we've been conditioned after birth to believe in the forms, the limited forms that we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, think, feel, and believe it is what we really are. But a robot can't ever be conscious. It can be conditioned, programmed. But we, our nature is consciousness rather than the conditioned programs rather than the computerized programs, the conditioning we've received after birth. So consciousness is your true identity. And when you realize this for yourself, you begin to have such a sigh of relief to not be limited, bound into a mortal form. 
that gets old, gets sick and dies. Not be bound by the limitations of your own thoughts, memories, views, opinions by your sensory abilities. So it's like freedom, ultimate freedom, liberation, enlightenment, happiness, is the result of insight. So this intuitive awareness here and now, and it's like this. It's it's not it's not discriminating, judging, but it's fully aware, aware of itself, consciousness, aware of consciousness, awareness, aware of awareness. And so we're, you know, when we remove our fascination for uh, objects of the senses, you know, so like in meditation, we're we're not seeking objects to look at or listen to or smell, taste, touch. We're not intellectualizing meditation, Buddhism, or anything like that. We're not, you know, thinking about it, making believing in various uh, teachings or disbelieving them or whatever. As we get more centered, more close to the here and now, the reality of awareness as we are knowing here and now, you know, we're, you're no longer seeking it as an object that you can see or hear, but recognize Consciousness is like this. And it, it's knowing, it's not a, a blank kind of unconscious, zombie-like state. But it's so direct, so real, that we tend to overlook it for the objects of sense, for thinking, for analyzing, for believing for doubting. So it's changing from seeing seeing, assuming, making the assumption that consciousness is inside your body, inside your head, to realizing your body's in consciousness. That's why we can scan the body, we can observe the sense of the whole body. The body can't see itself. The body can't visualize itself. The body can't perceive itself. But right now, the posture, the sitting posture that you're all practicing at this moment, there's awareness of the reality of sitting. It's like this. Is the body aware of itself sitting? You know, can you, is, uh, 
is and is consciousness limited inside the body? No. The body is in consciousness. In fact, the world, the universe is in consciousness rather than consciousness is in the world. So this is taking, you know, total reversal of the materialistic view, the assumptions we make about the universe as an object. The sun, moon, and stars are objects that we perceive. They're separate. In outer space, far away, there's space, there's time. These, and there's consciousness within the forms. There's this separation, there's me and you, we're totally separate. There's the material world out there that I see, which is separate from me, because I'm this limited physical body sitting here. And that's what we assume, that's how we interpret our experience of life from the conditioning process that we received after we were born. So, I'm not asking you to believe me, but to take an interest in changing, you know, from seeing yourself in these limited ways, conditioned ways, to seeing, your, seeing life through the interpretation of Dhamma, the way things are. Now, the Buddha lived 2,500 years ago and established this teaching. But what is common now, you know, even though it's it's an ancient teaching. It's been around for a long time. The conditioning process, the sense of a separate self is very strong, very believable, very real. And that's why on this retreat, this, this kind of reflection that I'm doing is trying to encourage you to, to look at to see it in a different way than from the limitation of a separate self, an ego, a person, a separate person that is separate from all the rest of us, to recognizing the unity, the perfection of Dhamma, consciousness itself, here and now, Is, a, is the ultimate, uh, you know, a real identity rather than the conditioned identities that we believe in. So this is a, a challenge to, to the, you know, at first it's hard to understand because of the strength of the ego. So, and we, in terms of Buddha Dhamma, we have the Sakya Ditti, which is the Pali word translated as the ego, the sense of a separate self. 
Sakyaditi is one of the first illusions, the strongest illusion we have, the sense of I am this physical body. This is, this is what I amount to. And all that contains, you know, it's, it's gender, it's appearance, it's color, it's race. All of these are conditioned views that we, you know, are unquestioningly taking on through belief, not through investigation, not through understanding. So all the problems in the world, you know, racial prejudices, racial biases, sexual identities, all these are created through this belief that, that one is very this limited form. And the limitations of that form, its particular unique qualities or tendencies, characteristics are me, definitely mine. So then there's going to be problems because, you know, the, we see people that are different than ourselves as threats, you know, they, they're immigrants or foreigners or they don't believe in the same things we do, a different religion. They look different than, than we do. And so we, you know, this is a separate, this is a view of this is a discrimination ability to perceive things in terms of qualities and differences. And when we do this, you know, then we're, we're creating this inevitable separateness, this conflict. There's always going to be conflict as long as this is how we interpret our lives and perceive the world we're living in. How could it be otherwise? Because we're conditioned, we're not, we don't always, we don't choose the conditioning we You know, it's not like a, at birth you have a choice of what to believe. You believe in what you, your mother, your father tell you. The cultural values, the religious values, the social values that you, um, you know, the families you were born into, you, you acquire the, those kind of perceptions. Even though you are the pure consciousness, the conditioning process encourages us to identify, to cling to the perceptions of a separate self, Sakya Ditti, this limited sense of self as we interpret our life through being this separate form in a, in a vast universe. So the ego, 
be aware of the ego. Egos are, I'm not saying we get rid of them. Well, there's anything wrong with an ego, but it is a, you can perceive it, you can be aware of your thoughts about yourself as I'm this, this physical body, this is me. Me and mine, these possessive pronouns. I am this physical body. I am this person, this personality. We identify with, you know, we see ourselves as a separate person, a separate body, a separate personality. But what is aware of personality? You can see, you know, just how your personality operates. Whether you're gregarious or shy, timid, aggressive, you're a bully, you're very proper, you're very civilized, you're very cultured, very coarse, poor, rich, refined. We identify with all these, these kind of terms, these adjectives, these nouns and adjectives that we create in our, you know, our thinking mind. But as the unitive reality of Dhamma, that's our refuge, isn't it? Tammang Saranangachami. It's non-personal, but it's real. It's not just just annihilation of the person or committing suicide. Getting rid of the physical body is not the answer. It's understanding. All conditions are impermanent. So faith and cha. That's not a belief. And you don't have to believe that. You can actually observe that. Realize that yourself. That, you know, it's obvious to what you see, hear, smell, taste, touch, think, feel changes all the time. So like in Vipassana, the word Pali word Vipassana, insight into the way things are. Dhamma, the word Dhamma is the way it is, awakened to reality. Awakened to the reality of the way things are. And then these two sentences, all conditions are impermanent, is giving you a clue how to look at life, to see, to investigate the way things are, as you, you know, just observe through seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking. Sapetama anatta, all dhamma. Dhamma is not a separate personal self. There's no kind of personal dhamma. You know, that I have my Dhamma, you have your Dhamma. 
So what is complete and whole, that we're all real, realizing at this time, experiencing at this time, is consciousness. It's not personal. Sapetama anatta. All dhamma, the dhamma is not, is not a self, not a separate self. So you have these words like Dhamma in Pali language. It's the way things are. Consciousness is this, it's knowing the way things are. All conditions are impermanent. Dhamma, there's no Dhamma that divides us into permanent separate entities. So in terms of meditation practice, be this awareness and be the be this knowing this mindful knowing so whether you feel restless or pain or boredom or confusion be the knowing not the critic not taking it personally we tend to you know see meditation in highly personal terms like i'm not a you know many people say i can't meditate I've tried and I can't do it. I'm not a meditator. Or some people, you know, think that I'm a good meditator. Or we think in terms of personal achievement or lack of ability. This is all created in the thinking mind. If you believe you can't meditate, that's thinking. That's a belief that you're attached to. Because awareness is natural. It's not something that you develop and acquire. It's Dhamma, it's Tamachat, it's natural. When you believe that you can't meditate, then that's, that's not natural, that's just a belief. Because you may have tried to meditate and you've conceived meditation as something, you know, something to attain that you can't get, then we've all been through that. You know, we start, we start with ideas of meditation that we've got to get something and we can't do it and we can't, I can't meditate or I'm not good at it. These are thoughts that we create. Don't believe them. You can know that they the, you know, the reality of thinking, you're aware of thinking, you're not the thinker. You're not a thinker. Awareness of thinking. So right now, at this moment, each one of you knows if what you're thinking is like this. 
There's a knowing. It's not a thought. It's knowing. It's awareness of thought. Thinking is an acquired gift that we develop. But you're aware of thinking. And I remember I had an insight when I was a Samanera before I met Ajahn Chah. This was in 1966. And uh, I was at a monastery in Nongkai province. And I had this insight, I had to stop thinking. And so, you know, I, it was an insight. But, it, you know, I didn't have the wisdom to understand to follow the insight because I saw it in highly personal terms. I, Sumito, had to stop thinking. So I tried to stop thinking. You know, so I intentionally stopped thinking. But you can't sustain that, just an act of suppression of thought. You know, you, you can stop thinking, but you can't, it's unsustainable because it's based on delusion, on a sense of a separate self, not on Dhamma, on wisdom, on insight. But it, had, it was an insight, because I realized that as long as I was thinking, I would I'd just go around in circles. The thinking process becomes obsessed, obsessive, and you start thinking the same things over and over. And the more you try to stop it, the more intense it becomes. That's why we become obsessed with you know, obsessive thoughts. We want to get rid of them. And the more we try to stop them or prevent them, reject them, suppress them, the stronger they become. So we become obsessed. We become depressed, we become guilt-ridden. How can I get rid of these thoughts? How can I get rid of these perceptions, these memories? I want to get rid of them. They're still thinking. In terms of a person, this personal entity, this physical form, doesn't want these thoughts, these obsessive thoughts, these fears, this, these guilt problems. I want to get rid of them by stopping thinking. But you're still thinking about stopping thinking. So you go around in circles. Thinking about not thinking is still thinking. So how can you deal with thinking? With wisdom. So then the insight came to intentionally think. Rather than trying to stop thinking, if I intentionally think some words, I'm aware of it. And one word, you know, the space between words isn't a thought. Suddenly you're aware, like, say, I am, 
a human being. It's a thought, you know, a sentence. It's, you know, it's not an interesting one, you know, you know, you take for granted you're a human being, so it doesn't arouse emotion, it doesn't create any kind of interest, or you're not interested in the content of the words. So, intentional thinking, choose something that doesn't arouse emotion, or, sen- or bring a strong sense of personal reaction, but quite neutral, quite boring, like I am a human being. And then you, you intentionally think I, and there's nothing there. You know, the one letter word, personal pronoun in English, you you observe being the awareness, being the knowing, and you determine to think this one word, I. And it's gone in a second, isn't it? It just it disappears before you think am. And so it's something like noticing the space. It's like noticing the gaps between the thoughts. They're here and now, they're going on all the time. But we don't notice the silence. We don't notice the space, the gap between the thoughts. So intentional thinking, we're more interested in the space, the gaps between the words, the thoughts. As conscious, this consciousness without thought is like this. It's silent, isn't it? So be, before you think I, there's silence. Then the I, you intentionally think I, and then there's silence. Then you think am, and then there's silence. Then you think a, and then there's silence. Human being, then there's silence. So silence is like space. It's here and now, you know, it doesn't come and go, but we don't notice it. We don't notice space, we look at the objects, in the room rather than than fully recognize the space, which is the most important reality of this moment, is the space, not the things, not the walls, not the roof, not the floor. In this way, we're, we're investigating, inquiring into the way things are. So then, you know, I found this very powerful practice of welcoming the space between words, between thoughts, the absence of thought, not through trying to get rid of it, not through me, uh, this obsessed thinker trying to stop thinking, 
But the meditator observing the way things are, space between thoughts is silent. So consciousness, it's conscious. Silence is conscious. Or consciousness is silent. It's peaceful. You don't drop dead or become a zombie. You're fully here and now. So this is, you know, you begin to realize how immediate consciousness aware of itself, jit and jit, is nothing difficult or or terribly refined or beyond anybody's ability. It's just like, when I say, look at the space in this hall, you, you start observing it. Whether you, you really noticed it or not, or reflected on space was one thing. Because it's space, right now, visual. Visual space is perceivable through seeing is here and now. And if there wasn't any space here, we couldn't be here. This is just one solid cement block. Would be, we wouldn't be able to sit here. So what is most important, real, practical at this moment is the space that we're, that surrounds us, that we're experiencing right now through sitting, through breathing, through listening, and the knowing, consciousness, you, you can't perceive it, you can't see it, hear it, smell it, taste it, touch it, or think it, but you know it. And so it's, consciousness is this direct knowing. It's not knowing about, it's not like discriminating kind of knowing about all kinds of conditions, good and bad, right and wrong. It's knowing Dhamma here and now, it's like this. So these teachings, like the four dhatas, earth, fire, water, and air, that's what our bodies are made out of. You know, you, you can investigate your own physical body with these four dhatas, four elements. The solid element, the fire element, the water element, liquid element, the air element. Sankaras, shapes, forms, impermanent. But what is aware of earth, fire, water, and air? Isn't earth, fire, water, and air? The forms that come from earth, fire, water, and air appear in space. You can perceive space, aware of space, but you can't 
You can't be, you can't find awareness as an object, but awareness is aware of itself. That's the path, that's the ultimate realization. 